Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman, my weekly podcast that's a conversation around music and film. Thanks so much for the um, lovely feedback over the last couple of episodes. So many lovely messages after the Dave Grohl episode, which was brilliant. It was very sweaty, but it was brilliant. I listened to it in the car, actually, the other day. I was on my own, thankfully. Otherwise, my boys would have had a field day. Any excuse to swear, to be honest. What is it about kids finding swearing really interesting? But um, I like doing that because Ben, who works with me in the podcast... You know, once I record the interviews, I, I send him the audio and he sort of sprinkles his magic dust on it and adds little bits of music here and there and just makes us sound great, to be honest. And it was such a great listen. I really enjoyed it. I also really enjoyed the Adam McKay episode and had some fabulous feedback about that as well. So thank you very much. Um, and we continue our bumper run of guests on Soundtracking um, with a man who's up for an Oscar this month in the Best Actor category, and quite rightly so. Andrew Garfield delivers a knockout performance as Jonathan Larson in Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical biopic, Tick, Tick, Boom. As you can see for yourself right now on Netflix, it is available and I highly recommend that you watch it. It's always a joy chatting to him, though if you haven't seen the latest Spider-Man film, I should say this interview does contain a major spoiler. But I'd also like to add that I imagine you've been living in a rock if you don't know what I'm talking about. Amazingly, Andrew has never been required to sing for a project before this. Not that you'd know it, and we'll begin with one of his numbers from Tick Tick Boom, Boho Days. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. Bohemia. Showers in the kitchen, there might be some soap. Dishes in the sink, but your teeth if you can cope. Toilets in the closet, you better hope there's a light bulb in there. That's today! Revolving door roommates, prick up your ears! 14 people in just four years! <laughs> Adam, Max, and Jonathan, and Carolyn, and Carrie. <laughs> David, Tim, no, Tim was just a guest from June to January. Margaret, Lisa, David, Susie, Stephen, Joe, and Sam. And outside, the bill collector's dream of still is on the lamb. Don't forget the neighbors, Michelle and Gay. More like your family than a family. Hey. The time is flying and everything is dying. I thought by now I'd have a dog, a kid, and wife. The ship is sort of sinking, so let's start drinking. Before we start thinking, this is the life. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. Bohemia. Bohemia. One more time. Bohemia. Bobo, bobo, bobo. 
Andrew, this is so great that we get to do this in person. I've been lucky that I've had the chance to chat to you a little bit about this film with, yeah. with Lynn on the weird and wonderful world of, of Zoom calls that yeah. we've been doing over the past year. This is a phenomenal performance and an extraordinary film. Um, but I want to go back, if you don't mind. Please, to the beginning. To the, to very, the very, very beginning. Start. Bugsy Malone, age yeah, nine. Yeah, no. Epsom Playhouse. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I want to go back to how this was presented to you, how you first approached, and what was your reaction to the ask of, of Tick, Tick, Boom and this character? Well, <clears throat> the first thing that happened was I, w- I was doing Angels in America in New York, and Lynn... Lynn was, you know, in New York because that's his home, and he was um, he was on the massage table of our mutual friend Greg Miele, and I've told this story a couple of times, but Greg, it really is one of my best friends in the world to to the point where when Lynn asked him, "Hey, you're friends with Andrew," and he was like, "Yeah, he's one of my best, he's my brother," and Lynn said, "Well, do you know if he? I have a thing that I want to talk to him about. Do you know if he can sing?" And of course, you know, Greg just didn't hesitate and said, "Yes, he is." this untapped resource of singing genius, <laughs> not knowing, ha- not having any idea if, if that was true or not. But, you know, being a good friend just lied on my behalf. And then, so that, so that was the beginning. And then he kind of checked, he, he was like, hey, just so you know, Lynn's going to ask you to, to sing in something. So just act as if you can, because otherwise it's my reputation on the line. And then, and then Lynn, um, he said yes to doing a Q&A for Angels in America, for Tony Cushion and myself. And the rest of the cast with with the director Marianne Elliott, and I only later learned that he only said yes to doing that Q and A to get close to me, and I find that hilarious because there was an an, an unnecessary kind of circumnavigating of mm. manipulation to get close to me, where all he had to do was put out the call and I would have been there, and 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 then we 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 had a, a lunch, but but it was one of those things, and it it rarely happens, it's happened a few times in my life. One where Mike Nichols asked me to have a word with him. One where David Fincher asked me to have a word with him, and one where Scorsese. It's like it's it's happened a few times in my life, but it was one of those times where when when I heard that Lynn wanted to talk to me, it was kind of an immediate yes to whatever it was. Hamilton was so much in my psyche at that yeah. time. It was like I was on the subway listening to it every day, and it was just it was it, it felt like a, a part of me at that point. So I knew whatever he was going to be doing was going to have that level of depth and and joy and kind of a richness yeah um and then of course i was right and he he, he slid across the, st- the score for tick tick boom the music and lyrics tick tick boom and said this isn't going to make sense to you right now but i promise you it will and little did i know that he was introducing me to like a long lost brother and jonathan larson that i never got to meet obviously when it, while he was alive but um yeah so it, it proved to be absolutely right the, that instinct that you know because there are a few elemental kind of people in the world that we get to be alive while they're alive and lynn is one of them he's like one of those elemental creative forces that is defining culture in such a kind of i don't know in so many seen and unseen ways like Mm. he is just in the water in the most beautiful and 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 thank god he's one of those it's like him kendrick lamar and like you know you know what i mean like thank god there are those soulful people out there who are expressing from that very pure place yeah. because we need we're, we're, you know we need that soul medicine and and there are not many artists as we know that really offer that he has this ability to start conversations without i think even realizing that he's doing that mm-hmm. i think that the, the create the creativity is at the heart of what he does but there's so much more there that i don't think he re- even realizes a lot of the time that he's mm. kind of breaking the seal on th- things and really encouraging people to think about things and really address 
big questions and mm-hmm. big situations. Yeah, and he holds it so lightly as well. Yeah. It's a really weird thing because on paper you would imagine that that kind of person would be carrying the weight of the world on on their shoulders and and have to have a very kind of serious outlook on life. But it is literally hanging out with your best friend when you were seven. Just wanting to show you his new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles backpack, <laughs> and you know, uh, like I remember being on set and like preparing for the harder scenes of the film, and you, you know, you, you, you know, the scene where I find out that my best friend is, you know, potentially, you know, really, really sick and dying, and in, 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 in with with an AIDS diagnosis, and you know, I'm preparing, and he's coming up to me, showing me literally, like I don't know, like you know, the the, the intro song from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, dude, I have to be good in this movie that you're directing. It's like, oh, I know, I just don't like to see you sad. Okay, carry on. And I'm like, no, he said, what? <laughs> like, it's incredible. It's an incredible thing. And so he, he does wear it so lightly. Yeah. So that conversation, he slides across the, the words and, and music to Tick, Tick, Boom. What's your reaction? Because back to Bugsy Malone at nine, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming you sang in that. So you, you know you've got a voice. You, no? No, I didn't sing it. Did I you didn't, not? I didn't oh, sing okay. it. I, I played the one of the non-singing roles and I was <laughs> fine with that. I, was, I played Fat Sam, um, who doesn't sing. You played Fat Sam? I played Sam. Fat Sam with a, a pillow up my shirt. And uh, yeah, I would, have, I would have done craft services on Bugsy Malone at the Epsom Playhouse. Aww. I would have taken anything they would have given me. Uh, yeah, so no, so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have to sing. I didn't have to test that out. So you've never used your voice for work in that way before? In a singing way, no. Oh, no, wow. never, no. It, 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 I, I knew I wasn't tone deaf. And I also, I don't know, I had the desire. I knew yeah. I had the desire. Like, music is so important to me. And I've, I think I've, I've, I've kind of harbored a secret longing to be a song and dance man, to be a Fred Astaire, to be a kind, you know, you, you know even like, I think about someone like Justin Timberlake, who I just admire so much in terms of the resource that he has with, with confidence with his, you know, with his instrument, you yeah. know, with his body and his voice and how he expresses himself. And yeah, there was a kind of shadow aspect of myself that I mm. hadn't kind of owned. And I knew that it was waiting yeah. somewhere. I, or I kind of, I hoped it was waiting. And I think Lynn, you know, we need mentorship, right? to bring those parts of ourselves out that we are maybe afraid don't exist or they maybe they do exist but we haven't got the courage to reveal them or yeah. it feels too vulnerable so lynn became lynn and jonathan really through from beyond the grave became that men those mentors to to me as a singer and as a performer in that way where do you start where did you start in terms of the prep for it yeah i i started we did a workshop we did we did three workshops just to work on the script throughout the year and the first one happened the day after i came my last performance of angels in america in new york and i was very very angry with lynn it kind of like it was the exact like we started as we were meant to go on that was the the amazing thing about lynn was like no you can do it i'm like wait no i i I can but i saw the show you saw how much i can (laughs) really rather not he's like no but it's fine come on i'm like okay and then i find myself there and i'm like i'm why how did you get me here how did you convince me of this but that's his part of his genius as well but then really the 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 work began with liz kaplan who is this amazing singing teacher that works with all of a lot of the great broadway performers and including lynn himself and i think i think that was my kind of unofficial audition Mm -hmm. probably like she had like a back channel texting with lynn while i was (laughs) trying to reach notes in her office in chelsea in new york and and I think I, I, I passed the test after that first session. She was like, yeah, we can get there. We can get there. Right? That, so that was, um, 
very, very gratifying. But then it was like, you know, it's that, it's that wonderful thing where you, you get the job and you're so happy for 20 minutes and then you try to extend that and celebrate the idea of what it is to do this job and then you actually have to do the job and it becomes pure hell in your own head for the next until it comes out literally two years um because you know that you're you're constantly kind of walking hand in hand with your self-doubt then for mm -hmm. the rest of time it's and then and then you until the premiere or until um if it, it, it flops or flies and 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 so yeah so then it became just a kind of grind a real an attempt to gain mastery in things with in things that I'd never done before, which were singing and piano and dance within a year. And and, wow. and it was, yeah, so I just kind of do. But again, I say that I, my mentors were Lynn and John. And Lynn, it's obvious how he's a mentor, but John being a mentor is a bit more mystical because it felt like he was just kind of pulling me through from the spirit realm you know what i mean yeah, it was totally. like that feeling of wanting to honor someone so much not only in his brilliance but in his messiness and in his um the cracked yeah parts of his voice or as the well realness of him. exactly so i think that spiritual mentorship was really what you know gave me the the the, the need really yeah. every day to devote myself to it did you spend much time kind of speaking to you know friends and family who who were part of his world yeah definitely and they were all lining up to talk to him because there was an amazing um article that was that was written recently by one of his college roommates <laughs> this guy todd robinson who's a, a writer and a director and an actor in his own right and a brilliant one he wrote i think it was what white squall was one of the it was like a, it was like a ridley scott i think ridley okay. scott turned it into a film i think it was ridley scott but anyway he wrote this incredible piece about about jonathan if it was in vanity fair i was saying an abridged version in vanity fair recently and i advise anyone who's listening to to have a read because it's that kind of intimacy that i that myself lynn and the whole cast got kind of access to yeah and everyone has their own subjective experience of john and it kind of created this amalgamation of, a, of an idea for me and combined with my own interpretation and my own where my imagination met his and to be honest I did feel like I knew him even without talking to people about yeah. him and I think that's that's a testament to his work mm -hmm. and and a testament to his life because he lived so exposed and yeah. vulnerably and he, he there was nothing to hide he wanted to be known he wanted to be seen and he wanted to, to see and know others and he, it's, but 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 then of course, yeah, there were um, people were lining up around the block. Of course, we have Julie Larson, who was one of our producers, who was his surviving sister, who who just you know, I remember being there was a really lovely moment at the premiere after um, in New York, and I and I gave her a, we we had a, a hug, and I said, God, I wish he was here. And she said, oh, you would have gotten over that real quick if you'd actually known him. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, perfect. And, and that's what she kind of brought for yeah. us throughout the whole process was this kind of lack of preciousness yeah. and an, an, an irreverence that felt really important because he was so irreverent. He was such a anti-establishment kind of revolutionary artist that wanted to tear down all systems that didn't serve his his friends yeah. and didn't serve the artist and and didn't serve gay people and you know he, he and he was singing to reach the psyche of ronald reagan and the halls of congress he wasn't singing just because they, they were pretty songs and because he was a narcissist but he was singing because he he needed to make actual change so that his friends would survive so yeah, it was a profound kind of research. And he was also a very ordinary guy. He was just like a regular theater kid, just kind of turned up to an 11 all the time. You can see how much 
he has influenced Lynn. Yeah. You know, in terms of the way that Lynn works now totally. as well. It was funny when I spoke to Lynn and he was talking about how there was things for him that when he was preparing things and production design and all that kind of stuff where he didn't realize how much of himself he was putting right. in there and yeah. even the kind of flat with the keyboard and kind yeah. of and someone going that's exactly what you're flat yeah exactly <laughs> I love yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. so great no totally so truthful so coming from somewhere real absolutely and and you know lynn, lynn was so useful to me because you know one of the things one of the many things i i, I couldn't i needed insight on was what it is to be a writer what it is to be a musical theater writer specifically and as you say, I don't think there is a Lin-Manuel Miranda as we know him without, without Jonathan Larson, without Stephen Sondheim to kind of, you know, in that spiritual ancestry kind of way. And yeah, Lin, Lin, Lin was created as a musical theater artist when he saw Tick, Tick, Boom off Broadway. He realized he had, what he had to do. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's that incredible. kind of journey then to this. That, that, uh, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and also the fact that before he, was mu he wanted to be a musical theatre maker, he wanted to be a filmmaker. Hmm. And he picked up he had his, v his Betamax or VHS camera when he was a kid, and that was his first love. So all of those things colliding with, you know, the musical that made him want to write music and this being his first film, like, it's, it's, it's kind of poetic synchronicity to the max, but that's what Lynn's life is, and, and that's what it is to live a life in line with oneself or one's soul or one's calling. And I think that is what this story is. It's, that is Jonathan's story as well. He was someone that was so unequivocal and uncompromised and living with his own sense of inner calling and alignment, even in the face, and, and especially challenging in the face of rejection and failure. Because I love this story because it's a story about failure. And I think every single young artist needs to needs to know that this isn't a rites of passage. It's an initiatory journey into the deepest possible version of what it is to be an artist and, yeah. and, a, and a unique artist. And I think it's, um, you know, we love seeing un uncompromising artists depicted on screen, for sure. How on earth did you learn to play the piano that way in a year? <laughs> I mean, I, I learned things by rote. I, I don't actually know how to play piano. But you know, it's you know, it's one of those skills that you learn as a you know as, as an actor. You you kind of walk away from projects with new, you know, skills, new kind of intentions, new mm -hmm. just things in your backpack. Really, it's pretty cool. Um, it's so cool. I yeah. mean, the idea of just kind of you know rocking a, a piano with you going, yeah, I'm just going to go on there. <laughs> it's so cool. And yeah, but like, don't ask me to do more than like a few phrases of 3090 and like the middle part of why and happy birthday. Outside of that, I'm, I'm ruined. Um, but no, I mean, like, yeah, but it took me a year to learn a couple of like why and 3090 just by rote and it's all gone now. But, but, but like, but I'm still playing and I still, I'm, I love playing and I'm, and I picked up my, I picked up guitar again and like, it's really reinvigorated me into into because i used to play guitar when i was a kid and clarinet and so wow. I, yeah, I just love music so much and and and, and to make it a, and, and and i've started writing just for fun just kind of like yeah i wrote a song Wicked. for my mom i wrote a song for my goddaughter and just like just silly stuff that will no one will ever hear but it's just like for me and for me and me really lovely outlet oh it's the best and yeah. gift for people as well We'll see. <laughs> I don't know about gifts. <laughs> what about with with that kind of with the with the voice and finding that voice? Because this role requires it requires so many pieces to the performance. Mm -hmm. You know, it requires the the performance of this character of your interpretation of him. It mm -hmm. require it requires the the vocal presentation, the movement, mm -hmm. and the piano. There's there's so many things that need to align mm -hmm. for it to work. Yeah. And you can see and you can feel. Your heart is so in this performance as well. It just kind of seeps out the, out the screen. 
how is that? What was? How does this compare to doing a, a you know a I was going to say a bog standard film, but you know bog what? Bog standard but, nonsense, but, <laughs> yeah, non-musical. Who would a non, make a non-musical film? A non-musical film? that maybe yeah. requires not quite as much kind of, you know, alignment there. I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> i I got to say, you know, there's something that Lynn says privately all the time, which is like, why would why would anyone want to make a film that's not a musical? <laughs> um, I don't get it. Um, he's, it's tongue-in-cheek, but he kind of means it. Because it is, it's t- it's total. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole... It's like total theater. Like, like there's no, it, it, mm, it's so magical to be able to express oneself through mm. all of the, all of the things that we have, you know, <laughs> yeah. all it, the whole arsenal. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, for me, I think to be honest, like I, I remember when I first watched the first cut that Lynn showed me of this film and he very generously kind of brought me in to, to help, you know, you know, shape it in the edit to, to, to whatever degree that it was useful. And he showed me it and I, was, I saw it on my own and I was just kind of incredibly nervous. But about 10 minutes into, into watching, I became myself as an 18-year-old drama student back mm-hmm. at Central School of Speech and Drama in Swiss Cottage. Like I became that version of Andrew. And it was, and it was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is where I've wanted to go. This is where I've wanted, wow. when I was that age, this, was, this is the purest expression of that of all the longings, of all of the, the the wants, the need, the questioning of will I make it? Won't I make it? Will we do it as a group? Like the friends of mine that are still my friends that we now look back and go, oh my gosh, like it's been 18 years since we graduated and look at what's happened. Look at where we've come in our lives and also as as actors and as directors and writers and as creative people. So I think there's something really magical in this film for me because it's it feels like the purest expression of the first impulse i ever had as an actor there's no holding back Mm -hmm. there's it is as you say just heart fully on sleeve in throat coming out of eyeballs you know (laughs) pores like every cell is bursting yeah and that is of course the character that's john so like for john it's not a musical it's just life for john because john john will sing and dance and play piano when words aren't enough Hmm. and when emotions can't be expressed in any but in 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 any other way it's 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 as natural as breathing and i think there's a part of me that that feels that way too where express it's not performance it's just expression. And I think for me growing up in Surrey and, you know, in a, in a quite, quite a stuffy, you know, m- middle class kind of area of, of, of England, there was a terror in all of my emotional life that I felt wasn't welcome. It was a very Truman show. You know, I think, yeah. we, I think we all experience that to a degree wherever we're brought up. Like, and, it, and, then it, and then it's on us to figure out whether we can find the safe spaces to find our full expression so for me like i think this is a real kind of a a coming out thing for me in the sense of like oh no there's there's that is the rawest most vulnerable like nerve ending like on the outside of the skin kind of like i'll never be more vulnerable on screen and i'm just so and, and it has to do with the singing the dancing but also has to do with how john lived really yeah What's your most memorable number from the film? Oh man, they're all so memorable in their own ways. They're I just, very different, though. So different, yeah. yeah. I I love and I love all of them. Like I love 
I love the opening. I love 3090 so much because it's such a like a, a like a freight train that you have to somehow ma- figure out how to be in control of. It's a Billy Joel kind of <laughs> piano pounding kind of epic that he's playing to like three people, you know, in his living room and in <laughs> yeah. New York Theatre Workshop. Stop the clock. Take time out. Time to regroup before you lose the bout freeze the frame back it up time to refocus before they wrap it up years are getting shorter lines on your face are getting Treading water About the riptides getting stronger Don't panic Don't jump ship Can't fight it Like taxes At least it happens only then like i don't know johnny can't decide it's such a sweet tender kind of ben foldsy kind of you know i love that song and and then obviously no more that duet with 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 robin is just pure like joy b52s kind of like you know wild punk rock is a really obviously really emotional song and I, I i think that one always that one will stick with me forever because of it's so personal to me in that moment and shooting it and it's it kind of it, it, it it's a little kind of um time capsule of uh, a kind of a ritualistic experience of mm. accept of, of getting deeper into life of really getting into the muck and mire of life like going from boyhood to manhood yeah. i think where one of the things we have to accept as if if we're lucky enough to have the experience that we have to really acknowledge that we're not here for a long time and that loss is just as important as all of the the highs of gain and success mm-hmm. that actually loss and an acknowledgement that that this is a short sacred ride is um is the only thing that actually gives the moment of breathing between birth and death any meaning like and i think that's what john is going through in real time and i'm just very very grateful that we managed to kind of capture it on film when i was nine michael and i and 
By some stairs, Mike couldn't sing, but I said, "No one cares." We sang, "Yellow bird," and let's go fly a kite over and over and over till we got it right. When. Three o'clock sun had made the grass. Hey, I thought, hey, what a way to spend the day. Hey, what a way to spend the day. I make a vow. Right here and now, I'm gonna spend my time this way. Prior to this, where did music sit in terms of for you with work? Did it have a did it have a purpose for for oh, yeah. roles or for? Definitely, yeah. I mean, like I I always make a playlist for every every character I play, and and sometimes it will be and it's very very personal. or or there will be like a a playlist for a moment there'll mm -hmm. be a playlist for a day on set a scene oh, wow. and it'll be it'll be it would be very weird songs that no one else would understand why it connects with this moment but yeah i mean it's the most i think music is the most vital thing in terms of emotional memory and in terms of pulling up feelings and and recollections from the past you know exactly where you were and what was going on with specific songs so and it's an incredibly useful tool, especially when you're on set and you're struggling with getting down to uh, an emotional place that the character is living within or experiencing, and then, and then you a song will just take you directly there. Um, so 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 yeah, absolutely. It's it's and it's always been you know vital in terms mm. of in terms of work, but in but in terms of life, it's like you know that's why Desert Island Discs is just the greatest podcast of all time. It's like. That's why it's the most emotional kind of interview format that I've ever, when you listen to Tom Hanks talking about where he was and the song that, that reminds him of the end of loneliness as he's our indelible moments from Desert Island Discs yeah. re re related to certain songs that, um, that people select. Do you have a song associated that's not part of the film with Tick, Tick, Boom? I mean, I, I, th there are a lot of songs from Rent that I have associated <laughs> with it. But, but, but honestly, there, there's a song that really sums up my kind of commitment that symbolizes my a kind of a moment in my life of really a galvanized commitment and of understanding what I had to do with my life, which is a song by Don McLean called uh, Vincent yeah. about, about Van, Van Gogh. Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and gray Look out on a summer's day With eyes that know the darkness in my soul Shadows on the hills Sketch the trees and the daffodils Catch the breeze and the winter chills In colors on the snowy linen land Now I understand 
What you tried to say to me And how you suffered for your sanity And how you tried to set them free They would not listen, they did not know how Perhaps they'll listen now And that song, and I won't go into the, all the details But I advise people to listen to it because it's it's a song about what it is to be an artist, and it's a song about Jonathan Larson, actually, as much as it's a song about Van Gogh, and it's as much as it's a song about any artist who felt too sensitive for this world and any artist that has ever experienced failure and rejection and, uh, and still go out of bed and, and put their shoulder to the wheel of what they felt called to anyway. And thank God, you know, I think about that all the time. I think about Van, Van Gogh and I think about John. I'm like, God, if they had got... They had woken up one morning going, oh, you know what? Maybe everyone's right. Maybe I should just give up. The world would be a far less rich place. And I think I find that so deeply moving because like, obviously I, I've received a lot of encouragement in my life in terms of, um, and, and you know, that kind of outward validation and success to keep me doing what I love doing and what I feel called to do. But like, I don't know if I would have had the strength without that kind of um, reflection yeah. Of, of people going, oh, no, what you're doing is good. Keep doing it. I don't know if I would have had the courage that John Larson had or that Vincent van Gogh had to get up and paint and get up and play. But um, I'm just so, so uh, impressed and in awe that their output was so prolific in the face of such rejection and failure. Yeah. I'm really intrigued, though, that this has unlocked something in you. And, and I really hope that you embrace these, you know, this, this new these new skills that you've learned in some way, shape, or form. What kind of music are you writing? I want to know what you'd compare it to. <laughs> are we talking Arcade Fire, <laughs> Ben Folds 5? What are we talking? Because uh, you've got good taste, I can I tell. I don't know. If, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Where would it uh, sit in the genre? In the genre really... bin in the record store, where would it sit? I have no objectivity. <laughs> I, it's, I guess it would be kind of folky. I guess it would be kind of um i don't oh god it's it's very naive it's very naive it's very sweet there's a there's a kind of a kind of an innocent it, it's it's it, it might even be just like in the genre of like kids music i'm not sure nothing wrong with Could that be like kids folk kids folk i like that there was somebody wrote a, uh, an album for of for kids music and i can't remember who it was and it was someone like this is the kit or something i don't know um it was amazing. It was like like music written specifically for kids, but not kind of like kids TV music, sure. but serious kids, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. Serious kids music. Colors of something it was called. I'll find yeah, out what it was. Anyway. Can I just have one question about Spider-Man? You can have, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're a great liar. That's Thank what the you. world now knows. You. Yeah. you can keep a secret. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what was your reaction when it was going, look, are you up for it? Yeah. Do you want to do this? I was, I, I, it took me a minute. It took me a minute because I'd really put it to bed. And I, you know, when you close a chapter on something and you really, you, you know, it's like, you know, the ex-girlfriend that breaks up with you just when you're starting to feel like okay. you're getting over Ding. it. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes. The, vi the phone vibrates at 1am just when you're having your first good sleep. And uh, no, no, I mean, it was, it was a really... It was really interesting. It was totally unexpected. There was not one part of me that thought I would ever be asked to put on the, the spandex again. Um, and, and to be frank, when I heard what the idea was, 
I was kind of like, oh man, yeah, that's great. That's like, uh, no, there's no way I'm not gonna participate in that yeah. if if Toby's if Toby's going, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 as long as you know, there there was definitely caveats. I'm not really interested if it's just gonna be like a hi yeah. and then I'm I'm out of there. Like no one needs that. Like that's just kind of. But if it, if it could, if it could be of service to Tom Tom's journey as Peter Parker and and if it was gonna be fun. Um, then, then it, then, then it was kind of a yes. It was kind of an easy yes. And and John Watts, such a great director. Like he's a really legitimately great director. And I heard the pitch, and I was like, this is fun. This is funny yeah. and fun. And and it was just the beginning as well. That was the other key. He was like, and I want to create it with you guys. I don't know what it is yet exactly, but I want you guys to bring all That's of awesome. yourselves to it. And I want to fit, find it with it with everyone. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great. So it was really that. That's brilliant. Yeah. What's next? I am going to rest a bit. I'm going to chill and I'm going to, you know, have a bit of a life again. And it's been busy, um, which is strange during the pandemic because I know that it's been the opposite of that for so many people. So I feel very lucky that I've gotten to do what I've loved to do. And, I, I, you know, like, like the rest of actors at the beginning of the pandemic it was like oh gosh this idea of being non-essential was very very confronting <laughs> like while my brother was on the front lines at the old at the at the, at the royal brompton hospital in chelsea just saving lives i was you know, with everyone up we were all just sitting sitting on our couches just being being good citizens and taking care of each other so i think that was very very confronting at the beginning of the pandemic for us artists and um and having to do like theater zoom things that was really painful but um uh, but now I'm really, I have a, a, a TV show coming out, uh, a mini series based on the book Under the Banner of Heaven, which is a true crime story, which is, I think could be really very, very exciting, very, very um, strange and thrilling kind of page turning stuff. It's a John Krakauer book adapted by Dustin Lance Black, uh, who's a Mormon. Um, so it's set in the Mormon community back in the 80s in Utah, the, the, these really gruesome murders that happen within the Mormon community. And it's an unpicking of the Mormon religion and how men can become narcissists with God complexes and be killing people in the name of God. It's really a fascinating wow. true crime story and should be, I don't know, it's weird. True crime has become like a comfort genre for people over the course of the <laughs> yeah. last two years, which I find very interesting. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it, it, it'll, it, yeah, you, we, we can, you, people will be able to add it to their, their, their comfort watch lists. Great. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Comfort list. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, listen, it's great to chat to you. You too. And congratulations uh, again on this. And Thanks I wish you. you so much luck for the Oscars as well. It's, oh. it's, that nomination is so deserving. Thank and you. I, I hope to see you up there with Bless a great you. speech again. Oh. We watched your boy acceptance speech actually. <laughs> when I was 12 years old. Was brilliant. Bloody good speech <laughs> as well. I was so out of you it. You were great. I had no idea. I was never going to win that. It should have been Anthony <laughs> Sher or Tom Hardy and it was like, no, not the kid. Um, they voted yeah. for the kid. But thank you. You're the best and thank you for the support with, with this film and yeah, love talking to you. Thank you, Andrew. Cheers, mate. I feel bad that you feel bad about me feeling bad about you feeling bad about what I said, about what you said, about me not being able to share a feeling. If I thought that what you thought was that I hadn't thought about sharing my thoughts, then my reaction.
reaction to your reaction to my reaction would have been more revealing. From Tick Tick Boom, that's Therapy by Andrew Garfield and Vanessa Hudgens rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking. My huge thanks to Andrew for taking the time to talk to us. Tick Tick Boom is available to stream now on Netflix and we wish him every success at the Oscars. If you want to listen to my chat with Lin-Manuel Miranda, head to edithbowman.com. You're welcome. Or your preferred podcast provider. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, Where you'll also find nearly 300 other episodes with luminaries from the world of film, television and music. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do tell everyone you know about us if you like what you hear. Next up, at the beginning of next week, it is none other, oh, can't believe this, than Johnny Greenwood. Yes, it is. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>